My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, we talk with Kelly Stanzi, SEO specialist at Hallmark. We discuss how she started in marketing, how it led her to SEO, and how she eventually made it to Hallmark. We also discuss a ton of other topics, including what it's like to get laid off, how to cope with failure in a way that makes you stronger, agency versus in-house. We deep dive into holiday SEO, and we even touch on a little bit of snowman poop. We talk about evergreen content strategy. We share our thoughts on Google BERT. We talk about Google Search Console's new page speed reports. We discuss work-life balance, the importance of relationships, and so much more. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Kelly's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Stoops and we are back with another episode of the Page 2 podcast and today um, we have an extra special guest and given that the uh, it has turned into the holiday season, this guest is extremely appropriate to have on right now but with us uh, is Kelly Stanzi, search specialist at Hallmark. How are you doing Kelly? Good, how are you? I am I am awesome. And um before we kind of, before we kind of jump in, um Jeff say hi. Sorry, I forgot to introduce you. Hey howdy, hey. <laughs> we don't care. We don't care about Jeff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, we do, Jeff. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. We uh or I was well, I was gonna say um before we kind of dive in, I don't know if you guys have been noticing it. Like two events for me recently have triggered the fact that and I can't believe it, that it is holiday season yet again. Um, one happened about four weeks ago and it infuriated me when I walked into Home Depot and the Christmas trees were already up. <laughs> and I was like, you sons of bitches, it's October 1st. Like, what <laughs> the heck? It, and it just seems to, to, to be getting um, earlier yes. and earlier and earlier every year. And then yesterday, I was in the line at Starbucks and I didn't realize that it was a, the official release of their new holiday cups. And the red like, cups. Yeah. To put it in perspective, like I went today, I'm kind of a Starbucks fiend and I went today and I went yesterday. Yesterday I had to wait in line for like 30 minutes and it was insane. Today I went through the drive-thru in under like under four minutes or five minutes. So Jeez. it's holiday season. So it's really appropriate that you're on Kelly. <laughs> you know, I, I think I actually have one of the best holiday season stories ever as far as seasonality goes. I have an 11-month-old, and his birthday is November 27th, and last year, Cyber Monday, remember, e-commerce, retail, mm -hmm. day job, um, his birthday was the day after Cyber Monday last year, so I actually checked into the hospital and started my maternity leave on Cyber Monday. <laughs> wow, wow. That yeah. Can't help the timing, but yep. nope, nope. And he was worth it. And you know, got a good deal. Yeah, we we had absolutely amazing coverage. Like my team's fantastic, but it was just so funny that I 
my day job at least is at such a seasonally relevant um, company. And oh, by the way, I'm going to miss the busy season. And I didn't come back until the week after Valentine's Day, which is also a huge holiday for Hallmark. So that's kind of funny. Um, but then, yeah, even even on the freelance side, the side hustle stuff, I end up having quite a bit of seasonality just because I do work with small businesses and nonprofits. So if you're working with a local photographer, you know, her busy season is going to be in October, helping people get ready for Christmas cards. And um, nonprofits are scrambling to get their their donation campaigns ready for the holiday season as well. So it's like Q4 is the linchpin of the entire year. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the busy season. In uh, For any agency, Q4 is always the, the busy season. That's where you like, you definitely are expected to... Um, put in a lot of a lot of overtime so it's I just call it it's just it is what it is it's the busy season (laughs) Um, so Kelly take us um, take us through your career um, that like I feel like I've said this a million times I'm going to say it again in case there are first time listeners the hallmark of this show is telling the origin stories of great SEOs and not only that, but talking about just the trials and trials and tribulations of what it's like to be an SEO day to day and things that are um, important, like work life balance, um, the, the mental side of things. Um, and I and I kind of want to dive into that. But so, so take us take us through your career. How did you get to SEO? How did you get to Hallmark? Um, well, I took the winding road. I actually started accidentally landing social media internships in college. Um, And my degree was in interactive design. So it was loosely relevant, like, oh, I can make this meme and I can edit this video and publish this podcast and build a landing page. But for the most part, I sort of fell into the social media space. And I got hired by one of the agencies that I interned for in their Kansas City office after graduation. So moved down here from the Chicagoland area and uh, started working for an agriculture agency. And I loved it. Like I was in 4-H and FFA in high school and um, now a farm girl living in the suburbs. And then a year and a half after they moved me to Kansas City, they laid me off. So um, 23 years old, really only knew my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, and was trying to figure out what came next. And he was like, you know, the SEO team at the agency that I used to work for um, actually manages social media for clients too, so you should consider applying there. And I did, and I got it, but ended up realizing that I actually loved SEO way more than I had ever, like, I was okay at social media and it was cool. I got to brag about some fun projects, but I would come to work every day excited about all of the things when I was doing SEO. Um, And just, I I feel like I, I found my niche there, ended up kind of getting tapped for, a really large client that that agency had and got to enjoy the dedicated specialist life for a year, which anyone that has ever 
had just one client at an agency knows what a big deal that is and really got to spread my wings. About two years after I started at that agency, there was kind of a, a shift in the business model and the ownership. And I decided it might be time to see if there was a new chapter on the horizon for me. And I kind of on a whim applied for Hallmark and got it. And I've been here four years. That's a, a lot of Q4s to survive. <laughs> but um, throughout that entire journey, I've also been doing freelancing on the side with small businesses, nonprofits, um, niche groups. I uh, helped with a website for a pig show in Texas one time uh, <laughs> because I'm one of the few SEO specialists out there that does have agricultural uh, industry experience so that I keep awesome. coming back to that. That's hilarious. Well, um, so pigs, yeah, I, yeah. I do have a poop question later. So, Okay. I can, I can probably answer that for you. As a mother, you should be an expert in, in that at this point. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I, I cut, I cut you off there. I couldn't resist the, the end to talk about poop. Um, <laughs> so, you, so you got laid off. What was that like? It was awful. Um, you know, I had been with my then boyfriend now husband probably six months. And I just remember like hanging out at his apartment with nothing to do and just crying because I had always focused so much of my identity and my career up until that point. And even after that, um, I really didn't kind of understand how to shift like my self-worth out of my career as much until I became a mom. Um, but when you're that invested in your career and you're this young hotshot that had this cool agency job and you were going to take the world by storm and then suddenly you're unemployed in a city 500 miles from your home trying to figure out what you're going to do. Um, that's scary. Mm -hmm. And I think I was more scared of not knowing who I was or what my career was going to be than I necessarily was about being far from home and a place I'd only lived for just over a year. Um, and obviously I decided to stay and put my roots down deeper here in Kansas city. And it's the best decision I've ever made. But at the time, it was just so much uncertainty and such a blow to who I thought I was because I was supposed to be taking the world by storm and, and forging a path for myself. And now I'm just like standing here like, okay, uh, I can pay the bills for two weeks on my severance. Okay, this is nice. <laughs> and it worked out. It was actually, I recently wrote a piece for Search Engine Journal about kind of like the parallels between my mental health journey and my career and like just the, the, the deep intertwining between those two things. And I made a note of calling out that the best things that have ever happened to me usually looked like a disaster at the time. So a really bad breakup in college, losing that first job fresh out of college and falling into SEO. And, you know, at the time, gosh, that was... I'm getting old now. <laughs> I don't even, I'm not even sure how many years ago that was. Um, at the time though, SC, or, uh, social media really only had like 
some surface level vanity metrics that you could look at. And I got into SEO and looked at this like depths of knowledge that you could get from search console and analytics, even though they had just switched to not provided. Um, And that's not even touching like the SEO specific uh, platforms like Moz and Bright Edge or Conductor or Ahrefs, you know, we all, we all know the list. Mm -hmm. Um, So I realized that I was actually for the first time really using both sides of my brain. And that was something I I needed. Um, So yeah, losing that first job and being able to sort of tap into a piece of myself that I didn't know was there and kind of needed to be fed and nurtured was honestly like a happy accident. And here we are. I was going to ask. So like, you you made an interesting point about like the things um, that at first look like disasters end up turning out to be really really good things in your in your life. And I'm a huge and the same is for me. I'm a huge believer in in fate and being in the right place at the right time. And there have been a lot of instances of that in my life. So now um, with kind of that new outlook when something big like that happens in your life, how has that experience changed the way you attack problems or how has it made you better? How did you pull yourself up by the bootstraps? Oh, get to that good place. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, it's dependent on the chapter and the situation. Um, you know, the I mentioned in passing a bad breakup in college. My coping mechanism for that was, okay, I'm going to take these out-of-state internships and, like, go live my life. So I got to spend a summer living in, in Sacramento, California. Now, for a kid in the, the Midwest, like, that's a huge experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the internship that ended up landing me here in Kansas City, where I have this amazing, fantastic life that I love. Um so yeah, I I don't know. I think in that situation, it was like a, almost like a kind of juvenile, I'll show you type thing. But then when I got laid off, it was more about like, okay, I think I can take a risk here because I have nothing to lose. I don't, it's not like I have a job to worry about. Um, so I did go out on a limb and apply for an SEO team that did some social media knowing that I would be stretching my my comfort zone so if I had to distill it down to like one coping mechanism it's usually if I know something's coming I stew in the dread for forever and I get super anxious but once I'm in it it's just like okay what now and you know is this is this a turning point do I need to pivot and typically when I have pivoted, it's ended up working out. Yeah, I think we've all had to pivot at one time. I mean, I'm way older than both you guys. So um, <laughs> I've pivoted a lot in my career, started off, you know, as web designer. Um, it, it was interesting because everything to me, I think was uh, all luck. I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting like, how it all goes because started off wanting to learn 3D animation 
Um, really was bad at that, but learned web along the way. Was really bad at design, but no one else did it. <laughs> um, learned code at the same time and moved into SEO, mostly because I was willing to take those chances. And yeah. you know, not many people were you know, doing this stuff at the time. And it wasn't really a, you know, I, I lived through the dot-com boom and then bust, right? And I went to bartending school at that night because I was like, well, when the internet goes away, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'll be a bartender because at least I can make some money while I, you know, find something else to do. Um, luckily that didn't happen. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to happen, but I mean, a lot of companies went out of business at that time. And, and there was, a, I've been through, a bunch of layoffs. Luckily, not on the layoff side, but there there were some companies I knew right away, like when it was happening, and I was already on the the lookout to go somewhere else because, it, like, you just some people were just sitting there. Yeah. Like, What's next? <laughs> um. So so yeah, having kind of that insight and then just having the bravery to be able to just jump and figure that out. Well, and I think there's there's something to be said for just when you're in it there's a certain level of like survival instincts that kick in. Like I was, I was very fortunate in that I was only unemployed for two weeks. Um, Oh yeah, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Most people don't get that kind of, that kind of luck following a layoff. And I have not, I've see, I've been in the professional world eight years now. And I have not worked at a company that did not experience layoffs while I was there. Um, And luckily I was one of those people, only one of those times at one of those companies, but it's just, it's a fact of the world. Like organizations reorganize, they realign their budgets and it's going to happen if you work in marketing or digital or agency side, whatever your role is client side or on the service side, it's going to happen. And I think a lot of people underestimate just that drive to just put your head down and solve it when you're in it. Cause that's, that's really where I was. I don't remember a whole lot of those two weeks because I was in such like a, I don't know the word I'm thinking of, like tunnel vision yeah. <laughs> um, for really figuring out what came next. Like I just remember for, two weeks. I just, I went to interviews. I filled out applications and I went running. That was it. That was all I did for two weeks. Um, but then I, I did end up getting hired for that first job. And then I had this, the first job after the layoff. And I had this like kind of moment where I was like, well, I'm probably not going to be doing what I've been doing. So then the survival mode kicked back in. Cause it's like, okay, let's figure this out, sink or swim. And it ended up being fantastic. And I had wonderful mentors and that was years ago now. And those people are still friends and mentors to me. So yeah, I just, I think there's just something to be said for the tenacity and the stick to itness to just get through it. Yeah. And you underestimate your ability to do it until you're actually in it. And it's like, Oh, I'm looking back and I survived that. Yeah. Sometimes you're, uh, you're tougher than you think. Sometimes yeah. you're tougher than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I've actually only worked on the agency side of things. It's really been um, interesting 
my career path, I've always wondered on like going in house, how would it be different than agency life? I, I feel sometimes I have it like, Oh, being in house would be a little slow. Cause I'm only working on one website instead of 50. And then sometimes I'm like, Hey, I would actually be able to get something done working on website over 50. <laughs> um, what were some of your experiences going from agency to in house? Um, it is never slow. That's good. Um, I am never bored. That's great. I think it's politically, it's different priorities wise. It's different resources. It's different. Um, but it also depends on the company. There are a lot of agile companies out there that feel a lot more like an agency. And then there's plenty of agencies that because of the vertical they work in or, um, you know, regulations within their specialized fields or even just like massive size, they're not quick and they're not full of a ton of variety. So, I mean, I, I hate to, to generalize agency versus in-house because really they're all, they're all different. You know, my second agency was completely different than my first and um, my internship agencies were completely different than my big kid agencies. Um, but at the same time, I think there's the one big difference is kind of your sense of ownership. At the end of the day, when you're client side, usually the buck stops at you and you have all of this extra risk and accountability that you're taking on when you're, you're the client and you're the last line of defense against whatever it is that could be going wrong. But at the same time, you also like have way more ownership. I mean, some agencies, you can't even tell people who your clients are. So if yeah. you do something really cool, you can't necessarily even brag about it. Whereas on a daily basis, I get to, to be openly proud of what we've got going on. And I can point at that website or the several websites that I'm involved in and be like, guys, I did that. That's my project. No, that's, that's great. That's, uh, you are right. I think I have a couple of case studies that are just uh, somebody in this industry did this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, um, I mean, it's, it's weird because obviously there's cons to any job. I, anytime I talk to a young professional and they're like, what's your, your, you know, major life advice. I'm always like, there's no such thing as a perfect job. Um, every job has its giant pile of poop and it's about finding the company whose giant pile of poop smells the least bad to you, but they all have good things. <laughs> Um, and ultimately like I can deal with most piles of poop, but I think, yeah, I don't, I lost my train of thought. We started talking about poop and now I'm thinking about <laughs> buying diapers later. <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is I always say to people like, don't get me wrong. I like my job, but like, if I had a choice, I wouldn't be working. I'd be off on some island or you know who knows who knows where and I always say like nobody is going to be on their deathbed saying I wish I had wish I had worked more <laughs> yeah, Stuff yeah. Like that. so that actually is really really good advice because like I've had jobs that I've hated and I've had jobs that I love and for me like there's always a reason to find a problem with a job if you want to find a problem with a job and in something that I've had to learn over the course of um 
my kind of professional experience is like sometimes you just have to be happy with kind of the imperfections of the job and appreciate all of the good points. And I, being a glass half empty sort of person, struggle with that sometimes. Um, and yeah, sometimes you just have to like let certain things go and just be happy with the good points of, uh, of a job. Well, and I think SEO, any job has its own unique challenges, but I think when you work in an ambiguous field that maybe outsiders don't understand very well, like SEO, I think there's an added layer of challenge that people in other fields just might, might not fully grasp. Like I, I have joked in the past about, <laughs> I have a dog barking. Um, I've, I've joked in the, the past about how, you know, like a third of my job or something like that was just like explaining things to people and getting, getting buy-in both the agency and, and client side. And Sorry, we, so little sidebar about me. My husband and I have 26 pets, most of which are rescues. Oh, and one of them is very opinionated right now. Wow, that is a lot of pets. Yeah. In reading your, uh, your account, and I followed your account for a while, and I didn't realize until today that like, here I am thinking I tweet a lot and I've got like a couple thousand tweets. You, you have 51,000 or 51.4 thousand tweets, which I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of tweets. Uh, and then the, the one that caught my eye today uh, as I was doing a little, a little pre-show research, and I'm, I just want to read it because I think it's funny. Uh, if anyone's curious what it's like to work in e-commerce for, for Hallmark, I got an email and the only content that showed in the preview outlook provided was snowman poop. And I had to ask about the snowman poop. So tell me about the snowman poop. <laughs> um, apparently there's wind-up toys out there that poop jelly beans. And we will have a snowman-shaped one as a stocking stuffer, I guess. Wow. So now I know what I'm getting my kids as a stocking stuffer this year. <laughs> yeah, last year we had reindeer. So I think this year we have a snowman. My kids have the reindeer. Yep. The reindeer poop or just yes. the- no it's reindeer that poops okay yeah they're little brown jelly beans yeah i assume the snowmans will be white white jelly beans <laughs> wow, never thought about that um so outside of the outside of all the poop what's it like to work at hallmark um really jolly christmas trees started going up this week but the biggest thing is hallmark's a privately owned company and i have very extensive ndas <laughs> So, so you don't get to share all of that goodness. <laughs> yes. Okay. I can just tell you that my job is absurd a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a lot of it is based around, um, and it, I'm immediately thinking with my SEO brain on is based around probably optimizing for a lot of these, these brands and, and these, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this kind of you know, different different series. And obviously, I'm a huge Harry Potter uh, person, uh, which is weird because I'm a 37 year old man and I'm into Harry Potter. So it's not the most. Um, what's your house? Of course, I'm Gryffindor. Of course, oh. the hero. But although I will say, I took a test uh, a couple of years ago and it placed me in Hufflepuff. 
So I don't know what that says about me. See, I am a proud Hufflepuff. Yeah. We so. are the house of hard work and loyalty and snacks. Go. And that is, that's where I belong. There you go. Well, yeah, there you go. That, I think that actually does describe me pretty well. So I kind of get it, but <laughs> always want to think of myself as a Gryffindor. Anyway. Yeah. And our, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, of work that goes into optimizing for our licenses, but mm-hmm. one thing that people maybe don't realize is like, I'm starting work on Christmas in like March because we actually have highly collectible stuff that launches on the site in April that our most passionate customers will go after. Um, and it's hilarious because I'll be sitting at my desk listening to Christmas music in the middle of the spring because it's what I'm working on guys. Might as well get in the mood. Christmas in July. So let's, let's save that because for those people, um, we don't often, um, talk about at the beginning of the show what we're going to deep dive on, but surprise, surprise, we're going to deep dive on holiday and seasonal SEO. Um, but before we do that, uh, Jeff, what's, what's in the news this week? Cool. So first up, uh, it's not really brand new news, but it's been something that's been in the news since it's been released. And that is BERT, the new um, natural language processing um, algorithm, I guess we'll call it, uh, to, that is brought into Google. Google said it was actually the the biggest update to their algorithm since RankBrain. I think that came out five years ago. <laughs> um, but it's been interesting because we haven't really seen any changes. I look at Mozcast and Algaroo and um, everything actually looks better than normal because it's usually like a little bit of a stormy day. It seems like it's a nice spring weather with all those uh, kind of casters right now it's it's an interesting approach i thought it was something google has been doing forever anyway um, maybe not naming it bert but they have really been always talking about you know they're, they're trying to find the information trying to find the the context between everything um schema has been a great part of that like i'm trying mm-hmm. to add meaning to stuff um it just seems like now we just have a fancier algorithm to do that uh, yeah i've been reading a lot of articles on it and um, at the end of the day, it's it's not something we can really optimize towards. Um, though I did read an article where the New York Times says that they, since Bird has launched, they've lost a lot of traffic. Um, not sure if that's, I haven't seen any of my clients or anything like that. I don't know, uh, Kelly, if you've seen anything since the launch of Bert, um, positive or negative with it. Honestly, I haven't seen significant change anywhere. Um, yeah. I, I think the irony of New York Times saying that they're losing traffic is Bert's only supposed to negatively impact 10% of all searches. Yeah. And the ones that it's supposed to impact are websites that don't write for human consumption as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting to see that, you know, in this first wave, you know, one of the most world-renowned media sources there is 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 one of the ones discussing penalties but i think we've still got a lot to see as far as bert's impacts i think this this season is one of search volatility um in general just because user habits are changing with holiday shopping and that sort of thing so i think when things sort of settle down in the new year i think we'll, we'll maybe see 
a more mature version of, of BERT arise, whether that's through updates from Google or just the new normal kind of settling in. Right. But I also am of the opinion that if you're writing good content that's people focused, you're going to be fine. No, mm-hmm. I agree. I think uh, when we look at the reason we have a website, right? It's, it's, we really want to be able to um, write for our customers. And, and I always have a little thing where I, it's a little nitpicky thing, but like, I don't call my you know, customers users, you know, so I don't say write for users. I'm like writing for customers and writing for people because it just backs that up as like who I'm actually writing for. Um, I wouldn't be like, Hey, my, you're my favorite user, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, you're, you know, and it's just something dumb that I always kind of nitpick on that. But uh, I, I really do feel like if you're just not trying to write to rank and you're actually writing to inform, it'll be the most beneficial thing you can do for your site. Yes. And, and honestly, like that's, that's the core of SEO to begin yep. with. Like I, part of what I evangelize in all of the, the arenas I touch from a search standpoint is SEO is actually a form of customer service if you do it right. You are there to fulfill a need or answer a question, and SEO is just making sure that you are detail-oriented about how you position yourself to fulfill that need. Um, So as long as you keep that mindset, you are probably going to be fine with Bert. That said, we all know that major algorithm updates can cause some blips and some destabilizations and... Like I said, I think we're probably going to see a more stable and mature version of it early next year. So the funny thing about BERT and for me about algorithm changes in general is like, honestly, I've only been a part of one website. Well, I I shouldn't say that, but one, one where I knew for sure that it was an algorithm change and that Google had just throttled the site down. And then later on when they made an update, it throttled it back up. And like, for me, I'm a very bottom line person. And like, I think about Bert and I think about in that instance, when I know that it happened as a result of an algorithm update, like what do I change in my day to day? What, what changes? And for me, like really it's not a damn thing about what I've been doing. Like I'm not like, I see a lot of people talking about other people who are writing about optimizing for BERT. And I'm, and I'm just like, well, honestly, like what I, what I feel like BERT is really intended to do is to really break up and understand queries and understand the intent behind the queries and hopefully divvy up the results by like, Hey, this query is someone looking for, looking for information. This query is looking for, Uh, somebody looking for support. This query is looking for somebody who is looking to transact or buy something and to serve up the results based on that. Well, if you're doing your job as an SEO, you're already looking and maybe not at the level of of a computer or a machine, but you're already looking at all of these keywords that you want to target. And you're already thinking about the intent behind them in terms of what kinds of uh, web pages are being surfaced up. And if you're not doing that, you should. Um, but for me, because I'm already doing that, it's like, well, it doesn't change anything. It's like rank brain. It didn't really change anything for me. So like for me, it's kind of like a big buzzword in the industry and it's something that everybody is talking about. And I just am like, eh, 
doesn't really doesn't really affect me. Yeah, I, I agreed absolutely, and I think the writing's been on the wall for this for a while. Um, you know, Google's been very vocal about putting end users first, whether they're customers or just information gatherers or people doing research projects. Mm -hmm. um, someone recently asked on Twitter, when was the first time you ever used the internet? And I talked about doing a research project on beluga whales in like second or third grade. Um, just a little aside. I like that story. Um, the thing is like micro moments were such a like hot buzzword for a while there. And really I think Bert is essentially placing logic behind understanding those micro moments more. Um, if anyone is shocked that Google introduced a new layer of AI that helps people match their intent with their search results a little bit better, they probably haven't been in search very long, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's funny because we always see all of these knee-jerk reactions every time there's a, an algorithm update, and very, very rarely is anyone actually one of those brands that tanks or suddenly spikes. Mm -hmm. And usually when it happens, it ends up course correcting at some point in time anyway. So it's still about the long game of write good content, have a good site, give the content the technical structure it needs to be able mm -hmm. to be crawled and found and indexed and served. Um, yeah. This is, you know, for lack of a better cliche, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I think the BERT rollouts is just a turn in the race route. Yeah. I think uh, the person who comes out the worst in this is actually the character BERT because they use his image in everything and it's, Gonna really I've confuse seen, image search. So many <laughs> Bert's blowing up, man. <laughs> Bert, Bert's never got this kind of publicity. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Someone uh, tweeted that they were waiting to see what the cost of the domain Ernie SEO would be like in a week or so because yeah. people were trying to go after it. <laughs> man, crazy SEOs. Yeah. Awesome. So the the other thing I have in the news is kind of uh just we talked about it before, but it's actually officially rolled out now as the Google page page report inside of Google search console. Um, we're really looking forward to this because I've really been trying to hone in a lot of my clients on page and just convince them like, Hey, this is something that Google, like here's all these articles. How Google says it's important. Like it's important for your customers. It's important for search and still have a lot of, customers who are happy it's a six seven second load times and it's like no no no. we need to get better and, and actually it's really hard to show when you have a million pages i give them like here's a five page speed report or here's 30 pages and it's really hard to show a whole thing when we look at like something like google analytics we don't have a great page speed report inside of there so i, I like that google's pushing this and kind of them showing that they're pushing it, you know, it helps me with my clients. Like, look, now even Google's give, ugh, sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. <laughs> Google's really like pushing this to show us that it's even more important by giving it to webmasters and with anything, make it an SEO factor. And you have a slew of people that are going to push this just like, um, like everything else they put out, like make your site HTTPS and just say it's a ranking factor. Now SEOs are like making every one of their clients go HTTPS. Um, it's kind of amazing how we can push the whole internet to, to roll something out. But PageMeet has been 
fairly tough because um, it's not as easy as getting a certificate and making yourself you know secure. It's a lot harder um, to, yeah. to accomplish. But some of the reports me and Jake were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, I know this is experimental. I know it's a, a first released, um, but there is a lot to be wanted in, in these reports. It's great we have a trend, uh, but there's not much else after that. So, Jake, I know you have an opinion on that. <laughs> I have an opinion on everything SEO related. <laughs> the, funny thing, the funny thing is, like, outside of my day-to-day job, like, I'm so easygoing and I don't have an opinion. It's like, it's like, hey, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. And with SEO, it's like I have an opinion on every everything, and I'm now everybody's got to hear it because I have a podcast. Uh, so let me tell you, <laughs> the page speed reports. Um, directionally, uh, they're really awesome. Um, between both Google Search Console and uh, what Screaming Frog has come out with, the big problem and the big the big pain in the ass about page speed is just what Jeff said. Like when you're trying to um, when you're dealing with sites that are large and in some cases really large, there's no way to give them enough of a representative sample of, um, of page load times to really kind of, to, to really make an impact, right? If you give them 25 pages when they've got a million page website, well, that's like, that's just a drop in the hat. Um, but in the same in the same breath, like you as a person don't have the time to manually go through that many pages and pull down all of the metrics that tools like web page tests, Google Page Speed Insights, GT Metrics, uh, Lighthouse that they all provide, and they all provide really great data. But until this Google Search Console report and until things like Screaming Frog, um, it was really hard to go site wide and get a larger sweep of how page speed was trending on all pages of a website. Now, here's the here's the flip side. I actually went in and tried to use the Google Search Console page speed reports today. And I went so far as to send a screenshot to one of my clients who is struggling with page speed to say, hey, um, here's what Google is saying about your page speed. And on mobile, um, several thousand, I, I don't even wanna go into the page numbers, but like 75% of your pages are deemed slow the other 25% are deemed average and 0% of your pages are deemed fast. And I sent them say, go look at this, go look at this report in search console, Mr. Or Mrs. Client. And I sent that. And then like without absentmindedly like diving any further into the search console reports. So that's definitely my fault for not diving further before I sent it. Um, I looked at search console and I, and I clicked in like, okay, show more details. And I realized for the first time that like it is only showing a very small sample of if it's saying like you've got 5,000 pages that are slow, it's giving you a sample of like five. And it's not even telling you what the issues are on a page, on a page by page basis. So I was a little disappointed when I went in. Um, it was a little bit of a wah, wah moment. Um, and I'll ha- surely have to explain that to the client when they go and look at it and don't figure anything out based on the report. Uh, but it is directionally a move in the right, um, a step in the right direction. So I do. Well, and I think the the biggest thing that that report within Search Console and even the, the paradigm shifts we're seeing in new Search Console in general is a new chapter in the relationship between Google and search engine strategists. 100%. Um, you know, I, I got started in SEO right as Google was taking away 
keyword data from Google Analytics. And even to this day, I'll meet with people and they're like, well, what does our Google Analytics data say about our keywords? And I'm like, it's not in there. It's, it's in Search Console. Like, I can get you keyword data, but it's not in Google Analytics anymore yeah. because Google giveth and Google taketh away. Well, now it's starting to giveth more back. And, you know, at one point in time, we were all those people dropping in single URLs into the mobile page speed tester mm -hmm. and trying to use that to benchmark the, the page speed of our site and how we could perform in mobile. And now you've got people like John Mueller, everyone's SEO dad, who I love, um, out there actually telling us how to answer our questions and solve problems. And, you know, Danny yeah. Sullivan actually saying, yes, there was an algo update. Mm -hmm. So even if at times it feels like some of the reports aren't as useful as we might like, or, you know, they're, they're still obviously experimental or in beta at the same time, this is way better than the days when it was oh, like, I, I don't know what my query so rate is. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like, I feel like the, the, the little boy who complains on Christmas when he didn't get enough great Christmas presents, but like, <laughs> I mean, like, it, that's actually that, that theme aligns with what we're talking about in a couple of seconds. But uh, directionally, like I said, it's awesome. It really is. I'm glad. Um, I just can't wait till, like, they add a little bit more behind the scenes yeah. to uh, make me, um, allow me to be more lazy, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how it keeps evolving. Um, admittedly, pretty much every site I touch right now has load time issues um, or at least plenty of room for improvement. But I literally just sat on a webinar on Monday that was about um, WPAs and AMP and how essentially there's no such thing as a perfect score for site speed. Mm -hmm, um, right. That's always a work in progress. And even if you have almost instantaneous loading, there's still going to be things that Google's going to see and be like, Hey, you can do that better. Um, so I think it's, it's interesting. And obviously mobile really keeps the conversation on, on page speed propelling forward. Um, don't even get me started on how mobile cues end up impacting voice performance too, since that's on everyone's mind as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep hearing about it, but I also think that we are still kind of immature in the space of page speed analysis and optimization. We're leaps and bounds ahead of where we were when I started in this field, but I think that's like the next big continuation of like what's coming in tech SEO. Yeah. So Jeff, is that all the news? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I've got a story to tell. Tell the story. All right. So we're going to deep dive into holiday SEO and hopefully I can find some nice holiday music to dub over this section. Uh, maybe some jingle bells, but anyways, um, I've got a story to tell um, and it is about a client who uh, their name rhymes with Bickery Barms. Anybody know who they are? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, and they are very interesting in that they make 90% of their revenue between November and December. And basically their entire year is spent planning for 
a two month period, um, their busy period where they make all of their all of their money. And one of the interesting challenges working with them that we ran into and we worked with them and this is a previous agency. We worked with them for many, many years. Uh, and I wasn't always on the account. I was on it um, for uh, three years before I ended up leaving, leaving that ag agency. And the problem was that they wanted a, uh, an SEO strategy and a paid strategy. And it made sense for paid, but not SEO um, where they turn the lights on in September and when the season was over, they turned the lights off and they stopped investing and they essentially went dark. And when the new season came back around, they turned the lights on, turned the lights off. So on the paid side, like I said, this is a great strategy because like why waste all of your money at the time of year when it doesn't matter? But on the SEO side, this was a horrible strategy and no amount of us telling them that um, made an impact until I got on the account. And keep in mind, I was saying the same thing. I didn't do anything special. They just, for whatever reason, were more ready to hear it when I was saying the same thing. And they eventually, um, eventually changed their ways. But what would happen is every single year, our poor SEO teams would, would be able to start in September and their, their real kind of drop dead date for getting any, they, they really honestly had about a month to a month and a half to get any recommendations that they wanted into the system in time to make it on the site because implementation takes a long time. Well, the problem is every year because the, um, the, this particular client didn't invest, the resources would turn over because you don't have consistent work, you're working in an agency, they slot you where the work is. So it would be new resources, they would be performing an all new evaluation every year, the results would go up. And as soon and as soon as the season would would end, they would go down. And you'd pretty much have to rebuild the dam every single year. Um, and if you're a if you're a client and, and or if you're somebody who's working with an agency, um, hell, if you're not working with an agency, um, I highly recommend against this. And I highly recommend implementing what we just honestly we just called it an evergreen, always on SEO strategy for the sake of them, but like a normal strategy. Um, and luckily, we find like we were we somehow magically ended up helping them, and we were successful. Um, with them and especially successful during my time on the on the account in terms of driving incremental gains in revenue. But the most success for me was when they decided to leave the lights on in January um, and actually allow us to work ahead and have time to do things like work on technical and get those things in their already full development queue to launch evergreen content or pages like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and for, oh, by the way, all of the other holidays that were big for them and to tell them, don't turn those pages off when the season was over because that happened too. Um, they would rebuild an, a brand new Black Friday page every single year instead of just allowing it to exist. They would, they would delete it and build a new one every year. Again, it's not advisable. It doesn't allow the page to age over the course of time. And it's like sending a newborn out into the world every single year. So anyways, that's my story. We were eventually successful. We got them to keep the lights on. Um, and that gave us a lot more runtime, which gave us a lot more opportunity to be successful. But now that that's the end of my story. I'm going to let you guys jump in. 
Yeah. Then, well, oh, did you want to go? No, you go ahead. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier it's a marathon, not a sprint in regards to SEO. And that has to do with like the life cycle of your content as well. Uh, one of the, the biggest struggles that any SEO has is lead time, making sure that your content is online long enough before it's actually supposed to be seen by customers for it to have built up at least a little bit of juice. And if you're starting from scratch every single year, Google has no idea who you are or why it should care about what your content has. Whereas if you're recycling the same landing pages year after year, Google is familiar with you, knows what you have. Um, you know, there's, there's authority assigned to that page within the domain. It trusts you. Something about EAT acronym here, because that's another thing that everyone wants to talk about right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you really don't have the ability to, to build that rapport page by page with, with Google if you're starting fresh every single year. So I think I'm actually really impressed that you got them to change their ways because a lot of, a lot of clients never figure that out. Like I still know of clients at my old shop because everyone still talks <laughs> um, that really take for granted the ability to keep evergreen content going throughout the year. And then, you know, when their, their peak season starts up, they're like, well, why isn't traffic picking up? Well, maybe because you haven't done anything to rank over the last nine months. Yeah. And it's really important. Like I looked up some stats and like last cyber Monday from last year was uh, $7.9 billion in online sales. That was just one day. Overall, last year, holiday sales were up uh, 17.4% at like $122 billion sold online. Um, you know, it's if there's so much competition, you have to do everything that you need to be able to, you know, to to do that. I, I have a client who takes it down every year, takes down their Black Friday, takes down their Cyber Monday, takes down everything, comes back the next year with a different URL every time. Um, I don't know until like, four days before Cyber Monday, what it's going to be. I try to get into that because um, I'm like, I'm, like I'm waiting to do a redirect. And if I, I'm lucky, if I get the redirect in sometimes um, compared to a, another kind of major, I think how major you are in retail that like people do see that and um, you know, where their black Friday is up all year and they just take down the ads and put like, come see us again next year. Um, start making tweaks in that in you know, July and August. Um, just to kind of make the crawlers know that that page is active and then we hit it with the big, you know, the big updates when it comes time for that. But, uh, and, and they see like, even in the summertime, that page does very well. It's interesting that, you know, you don't think people are looking for Black Friday stuff, but they land on that page because they're just looking for deals yep. in general. So. Um, it's really fascinating though, as, as much as we're, we're focused in on, on retail right now, I think, it's relevant to literally any vertical. So like in my agriculture days, if you haven't worked in that space, you would never think of it, but there's actually like a heightened season for cattle vaccinations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's those seasons align with when do farmers and ranchers have their calves born and when are they going to be, needing to vaccinate their 
little baby calves that need to be kept healthy and taken care of. So, I mean, we can, we can talk about seasonality in regards to all of the crazy people standing in line on Black Friday, but honestly, like, these lessons about evergreen content, keeping your pages up, they're relevant to everyone. Um, they're relevant to the mom and pop shop selling candles that they make in their kitchen. They're relevant to big box department stores, although some of them, specifically a brand that has a bullseye logo, uh, is too big to fail. <laughs> they could do everything wrong and still outperform everyone else on, on Google. But it's really about understanding when your seasons hit and planning the rest of your year essentially around future proofing yourself before that season is even on the horizon. So how, how far in advance do you recommend planning for this? If you're a seasonal business, I typically shoot for three months if I can to have content on the site. Um, if it's a net new page, my minimum is a month unless it's an absolute emergency. And my, qu my um, question is why? Can you expand on the why? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so back when I actually started working on that sort of one to three month window, there was still the understanding that sometimes it took up to a month for Google to really fully index new content. Uh, after you've uploaded it, but that was before things like crawl requests were readily available. Now that one to three month window is partially to ensure that on the client side, people have plenty of time to see it in production and react before it's relevant. Um, it was like even, even now for a variety of the sites I touch, there are, scrambles happening last minute after it's already in produ production to make sure that this little otter end is taken care of correctly. So that's part of the reason. The other part is it just gives me peace of mind that it's out there, can be seen. It's collecting a little bit of juice from Google. Um, I know that it's well-documented in site maps. It's not being accidentally blocked. It's really just a safety net at this point. I'm wondering if maybe it's a security blanket of sorts. I get that extra month that I probably don't need in there to feel better about the position we're in and prep. But at the same time, I would rather be ahead of the game and early and feeling comfortable than, you know, crunching it in the final weeks before game day. Right. You're giving Google time to digest it also, right? It's one yep. thing to be crawled and indexed, but then to, to get through all those, you know, algorithms to, to help it gain that value yeah it's, uh, it gives Bert time to think about it in between dealing with his pigeons <laughs> oh my goodness my goodness <laughs> yeah I, I I've it's not holiday related but I have had uh, a couple of experiences recently where and, and here's here's the thing like people still um, especially non-SEOs struggle to grasp this concept um, with respect to things they want to rank for Sometimes you actually have, not sometimes, all the time, you have to have a page targeting that specific thing. And that's a, that's a struggle for, for, um, for some people. So when, when we're talking about holidays, you want to rank for Black Friday, you better have a Black Friday page. Want to rank for Cyber Monday, same thing. 
outside of the 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 traditional Christmas holiday, New Year's season, all these other holidays too. Like you want to rank for them, you better have a page for them. Um, but the thing I was going to say is that it does take time. Like I've been slowly but watching um, a, a couple of new pages that were really important for uh, some, of, some of my clients, two different clients. And I've been watching the Ahrefs report because it gives you a nice little trend line where you can watch the, the rankings and see over the course of like two years um, what URLs may have ranked in the, in the past for any given keyword. And these really important phrases for their business, really high transaction stuff. Um, this page launched, launched in late summer and it's just been slowly but surely meandering its way up towards the top. And it's taken a couple of months for them to get from where they were, which was nowhere. And in, in the case of um, a lot of businesses, if you're creating a new page, you're creating it for a reason because you're nowhere and you want to be somewhere. It's taken months to just meander yep. their way up to the top. So it takes time. We tend to, to refer to that process as the pages maturing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if the code and the content doesn't change one bit in the two months that it's sitting on our site, just stewing before it's seasonally relevant, it's still growing into itself. It's still growing into Google's understanding of it. And, you know, it doesn't hurt if people kind of stumble upon it and suddenly there's traffic stats that help Google understand that it's an authoritative and useful page. Um, so, yeah, I, I tend to err on the side of get the content out there early and just make sure that it's situated in such a way that if you don't want it to be seen yet, but Google can still find it, your bases are covered. Uh, so, yeah. If you're, um, if you're a technical SEO too, um, and you're working with your developers, especially if you're in a seasonal business, um, they've got a lot of shit going on. And they have a probably a roadmap that they probably built eight months ago that you're trying to get into. So you need to be mindful of that. And not only that, like if you want technical changes done, you got to know they're not coming during the holiday because they're going to go into what's called a code freeze. Um, for those probably starting before Black Friday, the site will be locked down. And the only things that will matter are making sure that the shopping cart stays up. By the way, you should track that too, to make sure that there's no um, abandonment issues. That was a big problem for the client whose story I told at the beginning of this, where people were dropping out of the cart and they didn't know why. Um, But luckily they had tracked the dropouts. Um, But yeah, if you want technical things done, those things need to be done many, many months before they need to be, you need to be working with the developer to get those in queue because I can promise you if you want technical things done, it ain't getting done in the holiday season. No way. No way. Nope. Nope. And it's also a good time. And we were talking about page speed before, but page speed, we'll say page capacity is a big thing, right? Cause we want to have fast pages, but black Friday sales, if you have a good sale, it can bring. It used to be the uh, the dig effect when you used to get your story on the front page of dig and everyone come to your site and crash your site. That's the last thing you want to happen to happen to your website during the holiday. Dig is still a thing. It's not the same thing. <laughs> there is no more dig effect. I used to but, love dig. Yeah, no, we used to have battles who can get on home, the front page of it. Which uh, there there is still a Reddit effect though. Reddit yes. is alive and well. 
Oh, agreed. I, I run a forum on there, so it's our subreddit, Tech SEO subreddit. Get it out there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's a, uh, but yeah, no, there is a big push that way. So you want to be able to make sure you can handle the load because I I do have uh, one client in, in general who caps it at like ten thousand users, and then they have this nice little message that says. Um, we're sorry, but we're, our systems are full. <laughs> um, wait in this queue, and you just sit there and wait until it goes through. Um, it's not a good experience, I don't think, especially like since you, I mean, you can throw money at the situation and get more server space and things like that. Um, we don't want anyone to not get to the products. Uh, sometimes that, that might help with one of those, like if you're running a crazy sale and you know you're number 800 in line, you know, it might be like something like that, but uh, that's not their goal. Their goal is be, they don't want their servers to crash, so they put that in place. But I'm constantly telling them now, we need to get that fixed for the holidays or we're going to have a bad holiday. Do you ever notice clients not knowing when their site goes down in the holiday? Um, I notice. I, I, I have a uptime robot on all my clients, and many of my clients, are I, some, a lot of them are thankful. They are very, like, I find out the site goes down. I let them know right away. Um, it goes to my Slack channel, um, and I just write it over to them. Um, I did have one client who was not happy. Their development team's not happy because their site was always going down, and I kept telling my client, which was not the tech team, <laughs> and the tech team kept on going, like, why is the site down? Jeff keeps finding this. So they asked me to stop monitoring it. <laughs> they, they're like, we know we have problems. <laughs> I'm just like, um, yeah, I stopped, in quotes. Let's put our head in the ground. But they've, they, they have fixed all their problems in that way. But it was one of those where they just didn't want me being the, the tattletale all the time. But for the most part, everyone is happy that I'm monitoring it. I, I even tell them because it's free. Go to Uptime Robot, monitor your own site. That way you know it's down because that's the worst thing we can have. I mean, SEO aside, it's for your clients getting to a site that's broken and it takes 30 minutes to get back up during a peak sale. So. so that's actually a tool I was not familiar with prior. So I'm going to go check that out. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's a, it's like I said, it's a free tool. Um, you get, I think it's free for 50 um, domains or URLs that it checks. Okay. Um, and I, it can connect to Slack through it. Um, if you use Slack through mm-hmm. a, a hook and I get it right. I have like a, for all my clients, I have also a Slack channel that says, are, are they down? <laughs> so it gives me an alert and anyone who's on the team can join that and just say like, if it's down or up. So it's That's awesome. Great. So Speaking of sites going down in the holidays, do you guys have any holiday horror stories? Dun, dun, dun. Honestly, none that come to mind, but I think part of that may be because I've been up since 3 (laughs) a.m. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't envy that. Yeah, I I feel like the holidays just end up being just this blur to me. Yes. Um, and now even more so because I'm planning a birthday party now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's maybe all that survival mode training from life's disappointments is what gets me through Q4. I'm in it, just get through it. It's the busy season. So I asked that question because I do have a story. Yet again, I have a story. Um, Wasn't my client. Um, This happened probably six years ago. The business, surprise, surprise, like they went bankrupt. And 
um, we were doing at a previous agency some work for um, a, a retail a retail client uh, competitor, I would say of Best Buy, um, not Best Buy, but a competitor of Best Buy. And um, we were doing quite well. Um, organic traffic was up. Things were going really, really well. Problem was business was still going downhill. Like there's only so much you can you can do with your marketing that that um, sometimes you just can't make the business things work, uh, no matter how well you're how well you're doing. But the, in this particular case, and I, I really feel for the team that was on this account because it really ruined their entire um, their entire holiday um, result. Uh, the I think it was the CMO. I can't exactly remember who it was. They had, a, they had a concern that the site was going to go down because it was getting too much organic traffic. So what did they do? They disallowed it on purpose in the robots file, on purpose. And luckily, our team caught it, but our team didn't catch it right away. Our team caught it maybe like a day or two days after it happened and got it rectified. But like that type of stuff, especially if you really depend on the holidays. I mean, if, if you're um, a business that depends on online for any, any amount of revenue, like that type of stuff costs, and in this case probably did cost people their jobs. So it was crazy, man. It was crazy. I felt so bad for, for them because like they were doing great and they were a great team. And then somebody steps in and does this without, without their, without their consent or approval or knowledge and it completely tanked the results for that entire season. So like they were pretty bummed out about it, but that definitely happened. And it just, um, for me illustrated the importance of continuing to educate people and continuing to educate the clients. And I just didn't, I still don't even understand (laughs) the logic. Like I feel like that would be a good problem to have, but for whatever reason, yeah. I don't know, man. They they did it. That's a true story. Just just up your server processes. <laughs> you, I I just had my mouth just hanging open <laughs> for that entire story. Yeah, that really happened. Yeah. No, I mean we're I haven't had any major ones. Um, the one that would have almost been just like yours, where I had a client like tweak their uh, application firewall, and we didn't know that. And all of a sudden, like in search console, all these 500 error pages started popping up literally a week before black Friday. Um, and we were just digging and digging and digging. And I'm just like, what did you guys change? Nothing. Would something change on the website? Because we're having all these. And after kind of digging it, um, one of my favorite things I like to do is run screaming frog at ridiculous amount of speeds so that I get kicked off the website. And I noticed that happened and it, um, it kicked me off and gave me the same error I was seeing in search console. And uh, I was like, Oh, did you change your protection or your firewall? They're like, Oh yeah, we were tweaking some of the settings in it. <laughs> and I was like, well, you're blocking Google because they, they allowed Google through, but they blocked the amount of um, the speed at which somebody can come through on the site. So they're basically went from like saying you can have 500 clicks a minute to 100 clicks a minute because they wanted to prevent bots from scraping their pricing. Um, but at the same time, Google came through, I think the magic number was like 300 you know, times a minute or something like that. So we tweaked it to like to 400 and actually everything cleared up. So it was kind of like saving the day before the, the, the issue happened. But um, that was almost like one of my, like a, a nightmare of a, 
your decision there. But um, besides that, like we, uh, I see paid side get crushed during holidays mm-hmm. a lot more because we get into code freeze and I'm like, all right, I'm planning for 2020. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I see paid people like crying in the corner. All the time, like the night and day. Like I feel bad. This is one reason I'm not, um, I'm, I'm never mad to be on the SEO side, especially because like they literally have to schedule themselves to where like on Thanksgiving, they have people that are on call and on duty um, at all points in the day, Black Friday, whether you're off you and you're not able to enjoy that time with your family because they have to have people on call all day, every day. Um, and Kelly, I like, I wonder, if, you know, especially with your work with Hallmark, if, if that's the type of schedule you have to maintain, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have multiple overnight pushes. So, um, this is the first job I've ever had where I have overnight phone like conference calls and it's fine. It is what it is like a roll with it. It's part of the territory. Um, but there's definitely this, this idea that you do need to be readily available. Um, maybe don't be where you can't get to a computer for several hours. Mm-hmm. So like when we're driving back to Illinois for my family Christmas in December, I'm probably going to want to make sure that I have like a Wi-Fi hotspot with me so that while my husband's driving, I can make changes to robots.txt files or something if there's an emergency. Um, But that said, we also kind of fall into a certain pattern of autopilot time of year. Um, You know, I'm not completely hands-off for SEO, but it's more break, fix, triage, and troubleshooting than really active strategy. Let me ask you this. I've got two more questions. And then because you've been up since 3am, want to send you on your way for the, for the weekend. Um, This kind of discussion brings to light a very important point. And you being the mom of a soon to be one-year-old and myself uh, being a parent of three kids under six, one is going to be six months old. One's having her birthday this weekend. Yay. Um, how important is work-life balance for you and how do you maintain it? Oh, so important. When I was talking about my layoff experience, I mentioned that I wasn't always good about separating who I was and my identity from my career. And honestly, becoming a mom has kind of, it really gave me the final push I needed to, to be able to kind of segment my life a little bit more. Um, Obviously, as an, as a newlywed, I put more emphasis on family time with my husband. Um, but there's something about the only having two hours a day between the end of the work day and the baby's bedtime to get to be a family mm-hmm. together that really makes you set more solid boundaries and work-life balance. Isn't, I don't even really necessarily like that term because the two never fully separate it's about, it's about finding a way to mesh them together that's constructive for you and allows you to care for the people you care about but still fulfill your responsibilities to your work. And sometimes that means I get the baby down and then I open my laptop and I'm working again. Or it means, um, you know, leaving work early or coming in late because there's something going on with daycare. Like, 
he had his little Halloween party at school a few weeks ago, and I got to go and see him in a little Halloween parade dressed as an Ewok. Like, of course, I'm going to leave work early to go do that. But sometimes that means that, you know, the the late night time gets redirected. It's yeah. really just about setting your boundaries, making sure that you're in the trenches with good people because balance of any sort is not a possibility if you don't have good peers and colleagues that have your back. Um, yeah. But I mean, working in the field we work in, anytime you work in digital, there's a chance that you're going to have to be on call yep. or, um, you know, some issues are going to arise and suddenly, you know, your weekend's gone because you're fixing something that broke suddenly. Um, so you just, you make it work and you take care of yourself and you prioritize your own well-being and the well-being of your family. My biggest, ooh, <laughs> my, my biggest like pet peeve with this is people who don't think that they need to take care of themselves in addition to taking care of everyone they care about. Um, I'm a big advocate of you can't pour out of an empty cup. So in addition to like, this two hours an evening, those are family time. There's also a certain element of like, okay, since my husband's already up and with the baby, I can sleep in a little bit because I need some self-care or, you know, here's a half an hour to take a shower and like just sit for a little while just because we're, we are in this crunch. And if you're, if you're not striking that balance of like yourself, your work, your family and any other obligations you get burnt out and then you stop enjoying what you do. Right. And I love what I do. I don't want it to feel like a chore. And speaking of loving what you do, um, I'm sure that you do this with, with people that you work with, especially new people. But one way that I want to start ending this podcast and, and we did it, um, a lot last season, we haven't done it so much this season, is um, asking the question, if you were to give advice to somebody getting into the industry literally today, this second, what would you say to them? Relationships. We may be working on robots all day and we uh, may interface most of the time through computers, but everyone you work with is a person just trying to do their best. Mm -hmm. And the partners that I've worked with at any job, freelancing, day job, agency, in-house, as a client, as a vendor, at the end of the day, the most successful campaigns, the most successful sites, companies, whatever, are the ones with the people that, really have each other's backs Mm -hmm. and understand the value that each other bring to the table. So I may be the only SEO strategist in my company, but I'm not alone. Um, I'm, I make a point to surround myself with people way smarter than me and I learn from them. And I have all of these friends on Twitter because of course you make friends on Twitter when you have 51,000 tweets. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> but like really, really having strong relationships and being open to relationships with curiosity and empathy 
uh, that to me is the secret to thriving in your career. And that looks different for everyone, but it comes down to being a decent human. It's, it's funny. Um, that is different. It's, it's actually really amazing advice, but it is so different than what other people have, um, have said. And it's very, very true. Um, I mean, I, if you think about literally everything that SEO ends up impacting across the, the stream of a company's evolution, like if you're working in retail, the way product is name, named ends up impacting your website. So then should you be building relationships with the people that name the product? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on how you're structured, you may be doing the keyword integration yourself, or you may be having to train copywriters to do their own keyword research, in which case they need to trust you and have a good relationship with you. Or if you're an agency side or freelancer working with clients, if they don't trust you, you're never going to get anything done. Uh, especially if they're handing over the keys to the whole kingdom to you. Mm. So it's, it's really about relationships. And for all of the, the digital we do at the end of the day, it's another person sitting at that other computer. Absolutely. Everybody's always, uh, everybody's always dealing with something and uh, empathy. Empathy is so hard, uh, and, and, but such a valuable skill and relationships. That's just good life advice. That's what, we're, that's what we're given here on the Page Two Podcast, life advice. <laughs> Anyways, um, Kelly, thank you for coming on. I, um, we, we totally appreciate it. Uh, we know you, you've been awesome. up. So we extra appreciate it in light of the fact that you've been up since 3 a.m., um, but really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much, and go have a good weekend. I'm going to nap in. You too. Thank yeah, you so much. <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel, if you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.